You're listening to Red Nation Online. Jackson. Two ball for Jazik. That was nicely done. What can Jazik do with it? It's behind Hutchinson. And they've got the goal. Waking the Reds, Duncan Fletcher, and I'm Ian Clark, and the requisite 12 hours have passed for us to coherently go over Canada's 3-0 win over Cuba. As is no doubt the discussion post-game, we go over the countless chances the Canucks had, and whether three goals is enough of an indication for a result in Honduras. A nil-no draw in Panama City means Canada simply cannot lose Tuesday night. We go over the chances, life in CONCACAF, and if Le Rouge has what it takes to make it to the Hex. All the next 40 minutes on East Side Stand Up. As is the case with these Canada games, we usually need 12 hours, <laughs> yes. 12 to 16 hours to recover fully mm-hmm. uh, from the night before, and uh, this is no different. Um, maybe under a little bit different circumstances, I think uh, this game, post-game, uh, the feelings were a little bit more maybe subdued, even with a win, than it was against Panama uh, a month ago. Yeah, definitely. I think and you could tell that for the players themselves, they kind of came over to the south end, they did like the same sort of celebration. They were kind of sort of linking arms and waving the arms about, that sort of thing. It all looked a bit half-hearted, really. I mean, after the Panama game, like McKenna looked as if he was about to, you know, go full-on Incredible Hulk, rip his shirt off or whatever. He was clearly really pumped after this game. Yeah, it was a lot more half-hearted. And yeah, it was kind of like that for everyone, really. The post-game celebrations, it was, yeah, it's a win, it's good, but that should have been better. It's very frustrating 3-0 win. Yeah, and I think... You know, we'll get to that, why it should have been better. There's sort mm-hmm. of two reasons why I think a 3-0 scoreline over Cuba, an 11-man Cuban side, uh, wasn't anything. You know, of course, the win is something to get excited for. Mm-hmm. It sort of built some uh, excitement for the game, for the national team in, in Toronto. I think people who came overall were, you know, if there's any, if you call them a casual fan, probably left there saying, ah, that was entertaining. I enjoyed that game. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but when you start doing the math and you get down to, like, the nitty-gritty I think there are some reasons for us to discuss, you know, what this means uh, mm-hmm. going into Honduras. But, you know, let's start from the beginning uh, where we're coming into from this game, which was uh, a month ago. We're in Toronto flying high. Yeah. We're talking like this was the best one of the best. Well, some people are saying <laughs> best 45 minutes of national team football we've seen in a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, the result was huge. But then we go into Panama. Whatever you want to say mm-hmm. about the, those three days down in Panama. <laughs> The result, either way, spoke for itself. And we're sitting in a position where now these two games uh, coming, or the one that was last night and the one on Honduras on Tuesday are the biggest games for us if we're going to get onto the hex. Yeah, I think if you look at the result in Panama, it's not really that much of a surprise. It's probably, you know, you'd have been expecting you know, to, to lose that game. And I think like Friday's game was kind of like the opposite of that. It's one going in. You know, you got to expect you're going to be winning this. And it's... You know, there's one of those games where if you win, that's just you did what you needed to do. You move on. I mean, if we'd lost or like dropped points there, then that would have been the big game of the whole six game thing. So, 
It was uh, a big banana skin, which uh, happily we avoided. But yeah, and you had it on. You had it in your site like you were breaking down pretty much every situation between this result and Panama and Honduras's result of sort of mm -hmm. like what it means and what we need to do. I was looking at this game pretty much just from, you know, I'm expecting Panama to beat Honduras at home. And for us to sort of deal with that result, the best case scenario for Canada was score lots of goals. Yeah, I mean, if Panama had beaten Honduras, then you know, there was a chance you know, if we'd scored enough goals or Panama had scored enough goals, whichever way, there was a chance where we could have gone in and you know, lost said, by one goal or even two goals in Honduras and still qualified. Um, so, yeah, I mean, goals was a big thing. I mean, I wasn't really all that confident uh, going in because, you know, they'd only scored two goals in four games. So I uh, wasn't really all that confident that we were going to score lots of goals, at least you know, until we got the uh, the pregame news of all the defections and everything. But, uh, yeah, there was uh, a chance to... Uh, I got to be honest, when I heard that yeah. defection, I, it's 10 nil started, like, popping up in my head. I was like, holy shit. Like, yeah. This can be the game. This That's can like, be the one yeah. where it's like the most mm -hmm. absurd thing goes on where like all the CONCACAF sort of like <laughs> is like, holy shit, did you hear about this game in Canada? All the Cubans <laughs> defected and they yeah. won 10 nothing. And all of a sudden, like being CONCACAF is would be a good thing. It almost was, I, mean, I mean, we didn't even know the squad. I mean, who defected? Did they even have a proper goalie? Had all their goalies defected? Was it their forwards? I mean, no one knew it. So, yeah, in my head, I was thinking, all right, this is a chance to step on their throats and you know be ruthless clinical run it up and put ourselves in that position you know, take advantage of something bizarre happening in our favor for once and then going into this game uh with that background in place of course for canada we're talking about personnel mm -hmm. uh, and one of the big things whether you want to make an excuse or not but i do think one factor for canada's performance was missing a few players a few key players through those mm -hmm. 90 minutes you can i can list off three Di Rosario, of course, getting injured early, but Ocean being injured the game before and Johnson out on suspension. Yeah, I think and those are those Josh, necessarily aren't. Yeah. Josh Simpson be missing for the whole round as well. That's yeah, that's a big thing to be missing him as well. Yeah, and that's I think it says something of the Canadian team where it's like not necessarily you know you can say any of the guys are our best player um, far and above or head and shoulders above the rest. Where if they're not one of them's not in there, the team doesn't fall apart. But that may say something about the balance of our, at least our starting 11, where if mm. we miss two or three, then it gets a bit trickier to fill those gaps. But coming into this game, Ocean's back, Johnson's back. We're still missing De Rosario, but I was confident we could make up with that. What did you think? Um, yes. I mean, I think, you know, obviously the, like Will Johnson being back was a very good thing for like the defense and the midfield. And I was very confident those guys, if they get back to the form that had the, uh, you know, the four consecutive clean sheets before the Panama game, um, up front was obviously where the questions were exactly, you know, who's going to be replacing De Rosario. There was a lot of talk of Marcel de Jong, uh, you know, that obviously didn't come to pass. Um, you know, there's Ian Hume in there, Ricketts and Jackson. There's a lot of players that haven't really, you know, cemented their place in the team. And so, you know, you've got to be looking at this as a good opportunity to you know, maybe get out there and, score some goals, get some confidence going, you know, really nail down a place in the lineup, get some confidence going before the Honduras game. Yeah, and I think let's get into this game because um, so we saw that lineup and what we saw was, of course, he went with Ocean up top mm -hmm. with Ricketts and Jackson, uh, which I thought was interesting, but I could maybe see the reason why was that, that they were going to bring a lot of pace. You know, they were going to push, mm -hmm. they are going to pressure high, they are going to pressure with speed and pace. And I think that's the game that we saw against Panama 
I think was the best template for Canada to be successful in this group and successful against Central American teams, which was sort of like a high pressing game, causing turnovers in the midfield and then coming back on the counter. Mm -hmm. Right out of the gate, we did see that. We saw Canada, you know, pressuring high. You have that midfield of Hutchinson, Johnson, and the Guzman, who all move around really quickly and are willing to get stuck in to win mm -hmm. the ball back. Um, but the first half for Canada against Cuba, I think what we all would have been talking about is the absurd amount of chances we had on goal. <laughs> yes, it was just even you know the first like five, ten minutes or so, there's you know, four or five decent chances that uh, didn't go in for whatever reason. And yeah, you look into that, oh, this is one of those games we should be just all over them, you know, all game here. But, you know, are they actually going to be able to score? I know I like, turned to someone I was... Uh, stood next to him. I was like, yeah, we're going to end up with like 79% possession here, 42 shots, uh, nil-nil. Yeah. That's what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, but you know, it uh, turned out better than that, but it was it still ended up being a bit of a frustrating, uh, especially like the first half after we scored was a very frustrating time. Yeah. Well, that's it. Through that half, uh, and I watched the game again today uh, to get a different, try to get a different perspective. I counted five good goal-scoring chances. Mm -hmm. Whether they were sitters or just, you know, another foot here or there, or just a little bit higher execution, they should have been goals. But in total, I counted over a dozen chances on goal for Canada in that first half. Uh, I think the one outside of the goal that I think most people will remember is that beautiful cross from Hutchinson right onto the foot of Simeon Jackson, who seemed to not strike it. He kind of like almost looked like he stepped on it or he <laughs> sat on it. You know, it's just where like mm. you just go, the ball just drops straight down and he didn't take a, he didn't take a go at it. Um, that was one that I said, oh my gosh. And that yeah. was in the first five minutes roughly. So that mm -hmm. was for me was a poor sign. But yeah, there was a, a lot of lack of execution, really. It was like getting there and then it just not quite going right. And yeah. I was happy to see at least in that early going, there was something that paid off and it wasn't even the most beautiful cross from Jazik. It wasn't as good as his one at the end of the game. Mm -hmm. But regardless, you know, the, the players come into the box. You know, Ocean's pulling his man one man, one way. Jackson's pulling his the other. And Ricketts somehow running towards the ball just calmly slots it in. Mm -hmm. It was nice to see Ricketts score a goal. For I'm sure. glad we at least could say that we scored within the first 15 minutes. Yes. Maybe there's a little bit of, I can do a little bit of devil's advocate when we look at that first half and how, how much frustrating it was. But I mean, at least we got the goal at the beginning. I would have yeah. been much more frustrated if it was in the 44th minute and we had all those chances and nothing, nothing Yeah, the occurred. longer that stayed at 0-0, then yeah, that could have uh, been, <laughs> the crowd could have got uh, very uh, like frustrated. You know, the players had obviously said, you know, snatching at chances and it's you know, one of those games, eh, you know, Cuba's just going to get a counter attack and score and... Well, and we saw that. We saw almost that almost two or second, three yeah. times, right? Where they had, um, they had a pretty interesting approach, and I think they probably thought about that. Whereas they would just lay balls over. If they caught Canada's defense up at the midfield, they would just lay a ball over and try to get one of their guys to run onto it, mm -hmm. um, knowing rightly that you know their forwards probably have a lot more pace than Hano or McKenna, mm -hmm. even Jazik really. Yeah, you know, yeah. I can say the whole back line isn't exactly the fastest back line, that's for sure. Yeah, so it's true. Yeah, Lars Hirschfeld, like, there's quite a lot of times he had to you know, come out of the box to uh, clear balls and that sort of thing. So yes, he was obviously aware of what they were doing. He was ready to you know, be the, uh, the sweeper keeper, uh, Rene Higita style. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he didn't mess up this time. He didn't catch the ball outside the box or anything. So well done, Lars. Yeah, and they finished the first half. If you recall, just a complete barrage mm -hmm. on the Cuban goal. I think they won maybe four corners. 
in the last two minutes. Yeah. Where Will Johnson was going from one side to the other <laughs> to the other. McKenna screaming mm-hmm. at everyone, just take it now. You know, they're getting a set piece. Nothing comes from it. One nil at the halftime. I got to say, I wasn't too excited about that score. Mm-hmm. And then looking into the second half, wondering, you know, okay, we still have 45 minutes. I think we can get this done. And, and you know, what's it going to take for Canada finally like to punch through and make it happen? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the... The, the the second half of the first half after we'd scored there was probably a good like 20 25 minutes or so where Canada just didn't really look good at all we were you know I think you can look at Toa St. Ricketts he was just he was trying too hard I think like to to score he obviously got the one goal and then he was you know David Edgar was going down the the right wing obviously the fullbacks were pushing up because they could um but yeah I mean he wasn't really supporting him on the right wing he was getting in the box trying to score uh, there was one like cross that came over. I don't remember exactly who the cross was from, but Will Johnson was like right there. If this was perfect for him to just nod it in, no problem. And you know, Ricketts was a couple of yards in front and jumped and like just got his head to it and knocked it wide. And uh, yeah, I feel like Ricketts was trying too hard, and it he wasn't in position. It just affected like the whole team really, and it never really like got going. I think the last five minutes or so of that first half, yeah, there was a lot of chances again, but there was a long stretch there where Canada really didn't look impressive. No, and I think if, you know, we're going to go in the second half and, and sort of run over those goals and just the overall play, and that was maybe one thing, if I had a, a strong criticism to say, was that I was pretty surprised that at this stage of the tournament, at this stage of this group being together, which has pretty much been the same group through this round and for most of the last round, mm-hmm that there was these points where they were just completely out of sync. You know, you, the Ricketts and Edgar on the right side, I think was, was noticeable where Edgar would try to do an overlap, but Ricketts would keep pushing deep. Like they weren't sort mm-hmm. of exchanging. They weren't catching each other going the other way. There was a lot of times where, you know, where I was sitting from a vantage point, you could see that there was, there was an opportunity to switch the ball around and they would keep it on the short side or people were, mm-hmm. people were making runs Mm-hmm. And they were holding onto the ball too long. It was almost like it, they weren't, you know, they weren't telepathic. Yeah. Where at this point, of course, they <laughs> but, they won't be. But you're hoping at least to see glimpses of. Yeah. Uh, you would. Hope. And is that just a case? Do you think of you know? I think Canada's their general game plan is you know a very sort of defensive, keep it tight, you know, not really be attacking too much kind of one. Whereas this game, you know, the opportunity was there. All right, it's there for the taking. Go out, and so they just weren't really prepared and. Had, had practiced enough at, you know, being the attacking side, really taking it to the opposition? Well, here's what I would say that, though, is I, I would have expected or I would have thought this might be a game where Cuba would sit back, where they would try to catch us on the counter and, you know, bring put a lot of guys behind the ball. We already experienced that. You know, we experienced the last game, last round with Puerto Rico at BMO Field. Right. St. Kitts away. Those were two games especially where we just couldn't break them down. We should mm-hmm. have had... We should have already gone over this. We should have said, okay, well, these games are behind us. We need to come up with strategies. If a team's going to sit 10 men behind the ball, how we're going to break that down. Mm-hmm. And I didn't see anything happening with Canada, through, especially the second half, because I, uh, I was in the south end in the first half. I moved to the north end in the second half and had a, you know, a great vantage point because you're up, up high. So you're kind yep. of overseeing. Mm-hmm. I was overseeing the entire attack. And it was a little bit surprising just to see that you know, there just wasn't like a lot of movement. There wasn't a lot of motion. There wasn't guys creating space by moving into space, et cetera, and, and, and sort of releasing the defenders. I just would have expected that at this point, especially considering, you know, Canada might not be the highest ranked team in CONCACAF or in the world. But when you look at our roster, 
there's a lot of guys playing at in in countries mm -hmm. and domestic clubs that have very progressive tactics. Absolutely. So you would you would think they would at least if they're not on the same page um, in the red and white that based on their professional careers they understand what they need to do in order to have a successful attack. Mm -hmm. You you would hope so, yeah. Um, but yeah, as I say, we didn't really really see that and. Uh, yeah, so, so does it really give hope that you know, going forward, you know, like the game in Honduras on Tuesday, they will actually be able to, you know, go out there and score goals if necessary? Mm, not so much, but uh, yeah, we'll uh, see what happens there. But well, let's uh, look yeah, at it's... let's go through these last. I think there's a few points in the second half yeah, we should absolutely. definitely go over because it's there's an interesting run of play sort of around the seventieth, you know, through the sixty fifth minute to the seventy fifth minute because that's mm -hmm. where a lot of action happens. Um, you know, the first one we see. Again, we're getting at a 20-minute mark where Canada is still sitting on 1-0, mm -hmm. getting a bit frustrated. Cuba's on a counter, and a ball gets knocked back to Haino, where the Cuban attacker, I think his name was Linares, mm -hmm. comes in. And uh, on the replay I saw, and it was a reckless challenge. Right. Yeah, the time was like, oh, yeah, that's a bit nasty. Was, oh, a red card, though? I wasn't really expecting that. but um, Yeah, and it uh, wasn't like he didn't, he didn't leave his feet. But he did like he did come down on Hano's ankle. Yeah. Um, so it wasn't like he it was a, he left his feet in a challenge, but just the overall the whole thing was sloppy. I think it was yeah. I think it was probably justified for a red card. I mean a yellow for sure, of okay. course. A card was for sure. But if you're going to be strict on things like that, then I could see someone saying yeah, that's mm -hmm. a straight red because you came right down on the guy's ankle and the referee was right there to see it. Uh, literally on the ensuing play right after that red card, Canada goes in and scores. Finally. Uh, yeah, yes. finally. And we see, you know, the ball crossed in wide to the far post. And if I'm not mistaken, it's Edgar heads it back the opposite direction. And Will Johnson, Will Johnson gets his header. Very there was nice. no Ricketts nearby. <laughs> yeah, Ricketts couldn't this, get them the way this time. Gets, yeah. gets steal it from him this time. But this is the next big point of that mm -hmm. second half was, um, of course, when you're trying to you score these goals and you want the game to keep moving quickly, you know, Johnson goes in and tries to steal the ball back. He gets the ball back. But in that play, Olivier Ocean gets his <laughs> nose dirty. Mm -hmm. and Slightly dirty-ish. Yeah, it was like, Maybe. it was a bit of a, str you know, again, watching the replay, um, you know, watching football a couple times a week, every week. How many times mm. do you see a scrum a anywhere in the field where the two guys, you know, there's a shove? Yeah. And the referee just says, you go this yep. way, you go this way. Take it yeah. easy, guys. Put the handbags away, get on with it, and yeah, that's all. And I can't think of how many times you see. And again, it's a. Sh I'm talking about a sh not even a two-handed shove, a one-handed shove on the shoulder that results in a straight red. Yeah, that was ridiculous. And then you know they followed that up. The one of the Cuban defenders like shoved Ocean a lot harder. That yeah. actually knocked him down, and nothing for that one. So yeah, his uh, that's a very strange decision. As I said, like something that's so run of the mill you see in every game, and. So now OCN's going to be missing for the next game. That hurts. And yeah, yeah. CONCACAF. Yeah, CONCACAF. And that's mm -hmm. so. And then we see shortly thereafter again, surprisingly, even now we're even at a 10 on 10. Um, Jazzik slots it in again across across the run of the goal. 
David Edgar about to get subbed out, and uh, <laughs> yeah, this is that was his last touch of the game, wasn't it? I and and Edgar's coming across towards the ball and just uh, like doesn't even break stride and just kind of like toe pokes it in. Yep. Um, you know, Edgar with that goal. The only word I can think of, Duncan, was delicious. Delicious, absolutely. It was a very well taken goal. You know, I think the first one and the second one were both eh, a little scrappy. You know, nobody's going to be looking at those as any kind of pretty goals. Edgar's goal was pretty. Was you could delicious. Say, you could say. In both Cuba fixtures, David mm -hmm. Edgar overall. Yes. Delicious. Absolutely. <laughs> his cross the ocean in the in, in yeah. Cuba, delicious, mm -hmm. and his goal. Yeah. Um, and that yeah, was you know another thing was that cross was on the outside of his foot if I remember correctly. It was yeah. He just like in the first game yeah he just like bent it in with the outside of his uh, right foot towards the end. Yeah. Interesting. He's, uh, he's got a sweet right foot apparently. Yeah. So that pretty much wraps up the game, and I think the one thing at the end of this game. And the one thing, the first thing that he came out of your mouth when we met today was was disappointment. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, I left the game definitely feeling disappointed. I was hoping there was points where it's like you, in the second half, you're like, this can easily be four nil if they're clinical. It I would be, feel yeah. I would have felt a lot better at four nil. I mean, it's only one goal difference, but even five, five nil was, was I don't think was asking too much in this game. No, no. I think going into the game, like before all the defections and everything kind of came out, I was thinking, yeah, if we can get one or two, no, I'd be very happy with that. Once, you know, the lineup's announced, they've only got 11 players. It's at that point, yeah, you've got to be able to go on and score more. And like Stephen Hart himself said, just like, yeah, you know, happy to have scored three, but you know, we, we could and should have got six in that one. And, you know, yeah, that's what it should have been. But uh, just the, the forward play, the actual like scoring goals was just uh, a bit bit defective yeah. on the night. <laughs> yeah, you see what um, I did there? But now, uh, this is important to put this, again, put this in perspective or hindsight because, you know, at the point of the end of the game, I think that was fair. Uh, we didn't know the result of the Cuba-Honduras game. Mm -hmm. now, I'm thinking we need, of course, at that point, we need these goals because I'm thinking Panama goes into Honduras and wins 2-0. So Honduras is now going into Panama. Mm -hmm. We're looking at a similar scoreline, at least. This is what my thought is, you know, and yeah. especially considering I thought Panama looked pretty good against us. Mm -hmm. Everything Canada went through into that game, Honduras is going to have to go through it as well. It's really an uphill battle for them to come away with three points. I wasn't even thinking a draw. So that was a big part of where my frustration lay. But as we now know, Panama and Honduras drew, which means goal difference doesn't matter at all. No, there's, there's a very, very tiny chance that it could matter, but that involves Cuba beating Panama. So I think we can just forget about that but yeah there was a chance where it could have been set up where you know if we'd scored enough goals or Panama had scored enough goals we could have lost one nil maybe lost two nil in Honduras and still got through and yeah that if we got that five or six that would have kept that hope alive turns out it wasn't needed and uh, you know maybe that's for the best you know maybe it's the best not to have that option in the players heads where they're thinking hmm, it'd be okay if we did lose you know they've got to they now know they they need to go out there and get at least a tie so Maybe in a, in one way, that's a good thing. Yeah. Um, and you saw, or you saw parts of the game against uh, Panama and Honduras, yes. right? Yeah, it was a very like, choppy stream that I was watching. But um, yeah, it was it was a, a disappointing game, really. It's, um, you know, there was a lot of rolling around and not really many direct chances. Panama had a couple of chances in the first half. They hit the post, uh, came very close. But Panama did nothing in the second half. Um, Honduras didn't really look all that impressive either. And you look at their results. I mean, they they beat upon Cuba in Cuba. I think that was three nil. Aside from that, you know, they beat Cuba one nil at home. They lost two nil to Panama. They drew nil nil with Panama. They drew nil nil in Canada. 
they've only scored against Cuba. So, you know, Honduras aren't that great a team, really. And like looking at uh, watching that game, it's like, yeah, they, they didn't really, really look like scoring at all. So it's you know, there's hope for Canada. For yeah, sure. I think I think, you know what, depending on where we want to take this conversation, I mean, we can we can definitely go there because. A lot of people are saying, you know, Honduras is this crazy place to play. Um, we're going to expect the same things as Panama, maybe mm-hmm. even worse. But also keeping perspective, I think that, like you said, this Honduras team is not the team from 2008. No. Which, you know, you could say is one of their, was one of their best teams ever uh, in terms of, you know, those players kind of all peaking at the same time. Mm-hmm. We've seen a changing of the guard. Their strikers are a pretty young core. Uh, the midfield, although have some great names on it, have been injury prone over the last few years, not in full form. Mm-hmm. You know, they're a team. That is definitely there for the taking. And the opportunity is still there, regardless of us going into Honduras, mm-hmm. where Canada should be able to say, you know, look across our lineup, look across our starting lineup and say, I think we're the better team. I know we're the better team. Mm-hmm. I know we have better players. Yep. You know, what do we have to do to execute this and make this game happen? It's it's a good point. Yeah, they, they should be able to do it. I think this is, you know, really going to be the test of how far Canada have come, you know, in the last four years or so. I mean, obviously the qualification for 2010 that was pretty disastrous this round so far you know they've they've done all right and you know if you'd offered me uh, at the start of this round to say yeah going into the last game you'll have 10 points all you'll need is to get a tie in Honduras um you know I'd have bitten someone's arm off for that you know, that's good but you know this is the big test really I mean yes we should be able to to get that result against Honduras but there's a lot of I think sort of mental issues that are going to be there. There's, you know, how many times has, you know, Canada kind of got screwed or whatever it might be. So, you know, I think it's going to come down, you know, does, does Canada have, uh, you know, do they have the balls? Do they have the, the mental capacity to, to go there, like to go to Honduras of all places and get the result that they're capable of getting? Yeah, I we'll think, see. yeah, and that's, I think that's the test is if the team, it's not necessarily... Um, you know, physical or tactical or technical, it's mental. I think that's mm-hmm. going to be the biggest hurdle and that's going to be the biggest test for them uh, to determine whether or not they go through. And I mean, and this is obvious, this this statement, but I mean, if we can't go into Honduras and at least come away with a draw, then we have no business in moving into the hex. Obviously, we won't. But I mean, that that will be sort of the, the explanation point in the statement that would say, no, this team wasn't obviously mm-hmm. good enough we can't have any excuses it's like you know what yeah. we have to get these results if we're mm-hmm. thinking obviously we're thinking this is a team that could possibly go into the world cup well if we go into honduras and either come away with a win with a draw then you can start we can actually start having that discussion mm-hmm. and saying you know what maybe we can go into the world cup if we can go into honduras and get these points then in the next round maybe we can go into costa rica we can go into El Salvador. We can go yeah. back to Panama. They can get some wins against like Jamaica or like Panama at home, and you know maybe get that the third US. or fourth place. Yeah, they got points against the U.S. before, so yeah, it could happen. I mean, we let's face it. I mean, we got a very easy group. I mean, basically everything's going to be laid out for us. I mean, we drew Hon- the the first seed is either the U.S., Mexico, or Honduras. We get Honduras. The next seed, Costa Rica, Jamaica, or Cuba. We get Cuba. I mean, it couldn't be easier. I mean, it looks as if there's a good chance those two teams, like the two seeded teams, are going to be uh, not even qualify. So yeah. I mean, to get that group was huge. And, you know, we obviously got a, a little, uh, nice little bonus there with the, the Cuba game yesterday. There's all of a sudden, oh, they've only got 11 players. There's a lot of things that have come together and really given us a chance. And, uh, you know, if, if we can't take it, then you've got to say, yeah, you know, we're just not good enough, don't really deserve to be there yet. 
But let's get down to wrap this up, to get down to the home stretch here. Let's talk about this game in specifics against Honduras. Mm -hmm. You know, one thing before we get into the roster, I did notice, if this is still going to be the case, was that it's a Mexican ref that's assigned to the match. Now, of course, as as a CONCACAF nation, we would like to dissect what that means, potentially. (laughs) Um, I have a a sense that if a Mexican ref was going to dislike two teams, he would dislike the Central American team more than the North American team. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, you know, you can kind of think, you know, do the Central Americans just all stick together and want to stick it to Whitey up at the, you know, up in the north there? Or, you know, do they have those rivalries and they want to stick it to their neighbor? I don't know. Do they see Honduras as a bigger rival and, yep, yeah, let's make sure Honduras get knocked out? Or do they want Canada to get knocked out? You'd like to think all these things wouldn't be a factor at all, but, you know. <laughs> but it's true. Yeah. It's true because you do have to, you do put that in perspective of how the game's going to be called. And, and you you always, I mean, it's just hard not to see it creep in. Mm-hmm. Um, we, I mean, we saw some pretty bizarre calls in the game last night. And I can't help but feel in, in Honduras, you know, we whether it's just, you know, you start with the crowd mm-hmm. and the influence they can play on a referee. But then there's also politics in a region that can yeah, that can affect absolutely how the referee calls a game. Um, whether they, you know, you, sometimes you see uh, West Indian or, or the Caribbean referees might be a little bit stricter on the the diving and the play acting, whereas you know the Central American ones, well, not so much. Yeah, they know that's that, part that's of the how game. the game's played. Yeah, yeah, and that's the thing. I, you know, you'd like to think there's no sort of real evil intent, but as much as anything, it's this is the type of game that this referee's used to calling. If he's you know, in Mexico, presumably, is where he refs most of his games. You know, he's going to be you know, used to a certain style. And, you know, I think that's going to be probably the the main issue there. And then, as I say, like the crowd is going to be, you know, every you know, every time a Canadian even touches a Honduran, then, you know, I'm sure there's going to be all sorts of howls of protest and pressure on the ref to be, uh, you know, booking people. The Hondurans will be sort of rolling around and doing their thing. So, uh, it should be fun. Yeah, and then of course the the big question when we're going into the roster here for this game is of course the red card to Olivier Ocean. And yes, I think hurts. you know Ocean hasn't necessarily like lit it up in this round, but I think he is of course our best target forward mm-hmm. that we have right now in terms of form yep. uh, and ability. Uh, he's just you know physically strong. Mm-hmm. He, he gives you that option uh, to play a direct style where you can cross it in or just lay it onto him and he'll on, you know, on one touch, yeah. um, put a shot on goal. He can create from distance a little bit. He seems to be in sync with Jackson and Hutchinson uh, moving forward. And now the question is that's broken up. What do we do? It's a very good question. I mean, he, in the current squad that we called up, I mean, he's the only player who sort of plays that role. There's no obvious replacement. Our other forwards, you know, Jackson, uh, Ricketts, Ian Hume, they're all, you know, a lot, a lot smaller, maybe sort of quicker, smarter potentially, uh, more skillful. But yeah, I mean, that's uh, in like for Stephen Hart's style, you know, to have the sort of big guy up front, uh, it definitely helps out. He's he's going to be missed. It's going to be interesting to see how they replace him. And can they like bring in somebody from outside the squad or do they just go with what they've got? I mean, so bringing in Ian Hume or... William Hume's in the roster, of course. Yes. But it, the question, are you what you're seeing is some people are saying is, I guess because we didn't bring a full roster, there's still an opportunity to call up a player for this last game. Uh, you know, if if the players that are out there, we all know a lot of the names. Is there anyone that you would call into the roster? Uh, I don't know. I mean, it's it's tough. I mean, you, ideally, you get someone who can play in a similar style, who you know is similar to OCN. Um, Marcus Haber kind of jumps out as yeah, you know, he's. 
Physically, know, at physically, least. he's like that, and you know, he's actually like playing. At least he's getting regular playing time. I think with Stevenage, is mm-hmm. he out in England? That's right. Um, so you know, that's maybe worth an option. I think uh, you know, if he was playing anywhere, I'd say, yeah, bring Ali Gerber in, bring in Ali Jabba. He's hey, he can score goals. But yeah, when when was the last time he played? So you know what? I and I was saying this that. before. Is like I wouldn't argue with yeah. that if we were having a discussion and he if he was playing somewhere. Uh, and then you said, yeah, maybe we should bring a Gerber. I, I wouldn't necessarily throw my hands up and say <laughs> yeah. that's a bad idea. Because maybe at least that, you know have him on the bench. I mean, I remember the, it was a 2011 Gold Cup, the game against the States. We looked kind of hopeless. He came on, had two like fantastic shots that didn't save. He actually looked dangerous. Yeah. I think at that time he wasn't really playing regularly with anyone. I, and that's really all we need up top is like, you know, he doesn't necessarily <laughs> have to be a playmaker. He just needs, nope. you know, one touch outside of, I mean, Haber is a, is a name I think that's, if we're going to bring someone in, mm-hmm. it is a leg- legitimate choice for his like physical yeah, appearance and, maybe and the minutes he's a, getting. A bit more of a safe choice. I mean, another option people are throwing around on Twitter is uh, Lucas Cavallini. Um, you know, I don't really know that much about him, but it's like, eh, you know, we're just talking about, you know, this is one of the biggest games. It's going to be a big mental test and everything. Is that something we want to be throwing a 19-year-old into? It's, it's pretty desperate. No, and you hear like the sort of the names that are on the on the cusp. Uh, attackers, anyways, are you? You hear Haber, you hear Cavallini, you hear Edwin Bonsu, mm-hmm. um, guys with a lot of pace. I like Bonsu just because you know you're going to get sort of like a, another Ricketts kind of option out there in terms of great pace. But I do think, and this is this is a game where we might not get a lot of chances from open play, but it's from the set pieces where it might need to count, and that's where I think a guy like Haber might make sense, where we we do still, I think we still need a target forward up top. Yeah. Without, I mean, we saw that against Panama, and we were just hopeless without someone up yeah. top to either to lay the ball down and to be a physical mm-hmm. body back there. And we know Honduras isn't a small team. Like, they're going to be physically strong as well. So I think yeah, that they'll play, that you know, having a guy up there that can kind of just jostle with their, their center backs, fight for the ball in the air, wear them down, over 90 minutes and that's what's going to help set up guys like Hutchinson and Jackson and Ricketts to kind of make cutting plays through and, and catching them flat-footed. Yeah, absolutely. And it helps out on the defensive side as well. I think there's going to be, you know, maybe not the whole game, but definitely patches during the game where Canada is under a lot of pressure. They need to be able to get the ball out and you know, have maybe if there's only like one guy left up top, you've got to have that guy be able to like fight and win some of the balls, hold it up and wait for support. Um, yeah, that's uh, obviously a big part of like, a centre-forward's job, in, especially in an away game. So someone who can do that would be good. Yeah, so getting down the home stretch here, we're wrapping this up, Duncan. we gotta, we got to leave we gotta leave the listener with our thoughts. Are you, are you and you for a prediction here? Yeah. <laughs> we do it every time. Mm-hmm. And we're both kind of groaning and sighing as, <laughs> <laughs> as we say that. But you know what I would say? From when you showed up here and we've gone through this conversation and we've kind of explored a few things that we maybe hadn't thought of, I'm starting to feel a little bit, I don't want to confident isn't the word, but I'm starting to feel a little bit like, you know what, I think I think they can do it. I know in terms of like the personnel and the roster, like the way we broke it down like that, that we're the better team. It's just a matter of them being mentally prepared. Um, that's the question mark for this game. I think there's too many guys on the team who this is probably their last chance to do it where there's too much at stake for them to fuck it up like they did in Panama. And based on that, I would just I would just be really shocked if we saw a repeat performance of what we saw from a month ago and not something completely different. I think if they come out like we saw in the first half at home against Panama in this game as well, where they're playing a high-pressure game, getting turnovers in the midfield, even like we saw when Honduras came here, we played that same style. As long as they are able to execute that, then I think we've got, I think we've at least got a draw. 
yeah, I think you know there's definitely lessons to be learned from the Panama game for sure. You know, obviously they'll have gone over that and seen kind of what went wrong there and probably made adjustments. Um, you know, am I confident that Canada will be able to score? Not all that confident, but uh, yeah, you know, like I was saying, Honduras aren't all that good. Aside from the the two games against Cuba, there are the three games in this group they haven't scored. So, you know, Canada they've kept four clean sheets out of five games. I'm like 70%, 75% confident we can keep a clean sheet and that's all we need to do. Now, are you confident that we've booked a, a remote hotel? <laughs> let's hope so. Let's hope so. Uh, let's, I saw something online where, yeah, I saw something online where someone made a note that they were staying in the same hotel. When I looked it up, it didn't look remote. I was actually a little surprised that it, I saw a, a street in front of the hotel. <laughs> I would have thought it would have been a lot more, you know, there would have been a lo long drive up to the hotel and lots of acreage on all mm -hmm. sides. Yes. I didn't Security see that. If this, that if this was the place, yeah. then I didn't see that. So, but I think on that note, we're hitting a pretty good mark. I, you know what? It's, it's nice to go through a, a podcast and a game where we don't uh, you know, dedicate 20 minutes to <laughs> media bullshit. Um, what a head coach has been saying in the news mm -hmm. um, and dissecting the insanity. Mm -hmm. um, it was nice. For more or less, we just talked about the team and the game. Not overly negative. I think most of us are just like, trying to stay positive. And uh, we got a huge game on Tuesday. What else can we ask for that? We're actually looking forward to a match that means something. And it's crazy that Canada is the, the big thing providing hope and a, a beacon of light for us all to hang on to. It's <laughs> Canada. Who'd have thought that? But yeah. Uh, yeah, as I say, huge game. So on that note, we got Duncan Fletcher, Waking the Red. That's the uh, Twitter handle as well, at Waking the Red. Absolutely. So check it out there. All things Canada and Toronto. See Clark at Clark RNO. And um, yeah, I guess, you know, maybe we'll try to pull something. Uh, it's going to be a tight fit for me based on how this week <laughs> is going to go, but I will be watching mm -hmm. the game. Either way, all the stuff will be on Red Nation online in terms of post game and whatnot. And if you don't hear from Eastside Stand Up after that, you'll hear from us at the end of October, looking in November, wrapping up probably this round as well as uh, the mighty, mighty TFC <laughs> season. So on that note, uh, thanks again for listening and uh, we'll catch you guys Eastside Stand-Up is the only Pacific podcast breaking down the game right after it happens. We want you to be involved. Reach out to us on Twitter through hashtag ESSU or at Red Nation Online. You can email us at HaveYourSay at Red Nation Online or info at Red Nation Online. Get into the discussion through Eastside Stand-Up and Red Nation Online. Red, white,